0: welcome to the with the first pick podcast brought to you by the fan-sided podcast network I am Brian Perez from with the first and bearswire.com and draft fans this is the maiden voyage of this podcast one that I hope you come back for for all of your NFL draft news and notes and in order to do that you have to smash that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts from so you'll be alerted as to when we run a new episode which hopefully will be at least once a week maybe two or even three shows a week depending on the news cycle coming out in the NFL draft universe and the NFL in in general. We got a lot of great stuff planned for you over the next month and a half as we count down to that number one pick overall, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes here, the drama and the unbelievable intrigue that is uh, that is surrounding that pick with the Arizona Cardinals sitting at the top of the draft. But we'll get into that in a few minutes. But again, in order to get the latest information, updates about when this show airs, check out everything over at withthefirstpick.com. Make sure you subscribe to this show. You could actually follow me over on Twitter as well as I'll be posting updates about this show and all of our content at WTFP. You can follow me at Brian Perez NFL. That's Brian with a Y for those of you keeping score at home. And make sure you're also uh, like our Facebook page. We're we're building a really great audience of draft fans, having some great conversation and dialogue about the NFL draft on our Facebook page. So if you're a Facebook user, which pretty much everybody walking planet Earth is these days, make sure you head over there and, and like our page as well. But before we get into some of the, the meat and potatoes, for lack of a better term here, about the narrative surrounding the NFL draft, I want to tell you guys a little bit more about me and why, you know, who am I sitting behind this microphone and why maybe it's worth you guys coming back and, and checking out uh, the next show and hopefully the one after that and the one after that as well. You know, the NFL draft is an interesting Interesting industry, isn't it, guys? The NFL Draft Media, Draft Twitter. You have a lot of blowhards on that uh, in social media and, and bloggers and whatnot who come across as if they are a little bit more in the know than you, the draft fan. But the reality is this industry is uh, is driven by the draft fan. It's, it's inspired by the draft fan, and ultimately it lives and dies by the draft fan, which I believe is the most educated football fan in football, period. Uh, so from my side of the microphone, I don't view myself as a quote-unquote expert about the NFL draft. I don't view myself as somebody who knows more about this process than you guys do. I just view myself as someone who loves to talk about the draft and really enjoys that dialogue with, the, with my fellow draft aficionados, for lack of a better term. But I do have some history in this industry that I think is important to share with you guys, so, so maybe it, it draws that connection between me and all of you out there and, and makes you want to come back and listen. Way back in the day when I was just a young kid, maybe 9 or 10 years old, we're going that far back, guys and gals, my cousin was an All-American defensive lineman for Penn State. And back then in the late 80s, things were very very different when it came to the NFL draft process. Back then it wasn't about these high profile sports agencies whining and dining potential prospects, you know, offering different services, sometimes duffel bags full of cash obviously these days, but it wasn't about that back then. It was about you know, the players and the prospects hiring somebody that they can trust. Oftentimes it was an attorney. And it just so happened that my father, who's an attorney, uh, was the agent that my cousin ended up selecting. Obviously, it's his, his uncle, it who's his godfather, and it's the person that he trusted the most. And to become an agent back then, it was really straightforward and simple. You basically paid 100 bucks, faxed in an application, and boom, you're an agent. So as a 9- or 10-year-old kid, I was attached to my father's hip throughout that whole process. I, I watched the NFL draft process for a high-ranking prospect unfold before my very eyes this is before the internet this is before espn covered the process this is before it was a popular event with mass national appeal i got to see my cousin work out for the draft i got to see my father speak with teams about my cousin in advance of the draft i got to meet joe paterno and the penn state coaching staff i was with my cousin on draft weekend when he was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in the 10th round. Believe it or not, back then there were 12 rounds in the NFL draft. He was drafted in the 10th round, and the big celebration and the party that ensued. And that planted such a deeply rooted seed in me in terms of enjoying this process, loving it, almost becoming addicted to the NFL draft to the point where it became a personal quest of mine to try to figure out what is it that makes player A more appealing to a franchise than player B. Same position, maybe same height, relatively similar production. But what is it ultimately that makes player A a first-round pick and player B maybe is not not off the board until round four, five, or even later? Maybe not even drafted. It was this inexact science, this process that I was trying to fit. It's like the Rubik's Cube through middle school and high school, and I eventually went to law school. Just studying, and reading, and learning, and watching film, and writing scouting reports, and doing mock drafts. It was this endless quest that I'm still on to this day to try to figure out what exactly makes a player a valued commodity in the NFL. Throughout my time in school, I was that kid in high school that instead of paying attention to in history class, I was doing mock draft number 10 before, the, before draft weekend. That continued through law school. Instead of paying attention to my constitutional law professor, I was putting together an outline for what a homepage on an NFL draft website would look like. And after I graduated law school and I became a licensed attorney, I actually launched my first NFL draft site. It was called firstroundgrade.com. Some of you may have been familiar with it. Maybe not uh, many of you. Uh, But it was a boutique draft website that I decided was going to be my online journal of thoughts about the NFL draft. And if I was the only person that read it, great. But fortunately, I, I was able to make my mark in the industry pretty early on in 2014. I entered the Huddle Reports mock draft competition and boom, right out of the gate, first place, won that competition. And it allowed me an opportunity to buy into draftbreakdown.com, which, if you're a draft fan, you're definitely familiar with draft breakdown. Draft Breakdown was one of the great NFL draft sites for prospect scouting cut-ups. It ran its course, it hit its maximum ceiling, and ultimately the partners and I decided it was time to go our different, our separate ways. And in between, before leaving Draft Breakdown, I had a great opportunity, and it was it was it was an experience of a lifetime. For one season, I served as the Northeast region Scout for the Canadian Football League the Ottawa Redblacks. It was a time in my life when I was considering what am I going to do do I want to continue practicing law or do I want to move on and really chase the passion and become a full-time scout in real life not just a guy on social media tweeting about players not just a guy blogging at home after watching you know a few highlights about a player but really making this my my Career, my profession. And I had the opportunity through a lot of the contacts that I made in the league to get an opportunity with the Ottawa Redblacks. And I scouted FBS games. I scouted Ivy League games in person, live. I scouted small school All Star games, filed dozens and dozens of scouting reports. And it was awesome. It was great. It was exactly everything that I had expected it would be. But the reality is, with a wife and two young kids, I had to decide between the two F's football or family. Am I going to provide for my family the way I have been all those years, or am I going to chase football and become a real-life scout? Obviously, I chose family and decided to get back into the draft industry, and here we are. We are here, live, with the fifth, with the First Pick podcast, with the It is I can't explain to you how fired up I am to be back in the saddle, for lack of a better term, to be able to keep this dialogue going with you guys, the draft fan. It is really some of the best relationships i've made over the last few years have been with people in draft media, people on twitter who are draft fans who we have who i've later developed, you know, relationships with in terms of writing over at bearswire.com or just meeting people down at the senior bowl or at the nfl combine. It's just been awesome. So i ask you guys the draft fan Hit me up on Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. Let me know what your story is. What got you into the NFL draft? What made you be a huge fan or become a huge fan of this process? You know, the common link, generally speaking, between the diehard draft fan uh, and an NFL team is usually the long suffering football fan. Whether you're a fan of the Browns or the Jets or the Bears or the Lions, your Super Bowl is the NFL draft. Your, you know, ray of light. At the end of the tunnel, for lack of a better term, is the NFL draft. And it, it, when you're a fan of a team that struggles year in and year out, you're starting your draft preparation basically in October. Whereas teams that are uh, like the Patriots or the Steelers, their fan bases aren't necessarily as into the NFL draft because it's an afterthought for them. They're chasing a ring every single year in December. So, I have found that one of the main connections between football fans and the draft is a pro team in the NFL that has kind of had struggles over the last decade or so. But what's your story? Hit me up on, like I said, on Twitter, at Perez NFL. Head over to the With the First Pick Facebook page and let me know what what your what your deal is. What made you a draft fan? Why are you listening to this podcast and I'm sure many, many others that cover the NFL draft? It's something that always has interested me in terms of what has created this This subculture of football, which is that draft fan base. And I think we can all agree that the draft is so much more fun, guys and gals. It is so much more fun when there is drama and intrigue at the top, especially when it involves a quarterback. And oh boy, do we have that in 2019. And this isn't just your traditional quarterback drama. This is quarterback drama to a whole nother level. Normally, when we talk about quarterback issues at the top of the draft, it's player A and player B jockeying for that first pick. It's Carson Wentz against Jared Goff. It's Jameis Winston against Marcus Mariota. Go back many, many years, it's Peyton Manning against Ryan Leaf. That's usually what the drama involves. But in 2019, we have such a unique set of facts. It's Kyler Murray... And it's not Murray against Haskins. That's that's not what the debate is. It's Kyler Murray to the Cardinals who already spent a top 10 pick on a quarterback, Josh Rosen, last year. So it's Kyler Murray versus Josh Rosen, coaching staff, brand new, after a one-and-done Steve Wilks and team was brought in last year, that crew that drafted Josh Rosen. I mean, there are so many layers of this. The The... I don't know if you want to say borderline incompetent management from Steve, uh, from the 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 general manager of of the Cardinals. I mean, let's take a deeper look at this for a second. In two thousand eighteen, the Arizona Cardinals entered the two thousand eighteen NFL Draft with a brand new defensive minded head coach that everybody was excited about. They had a, they they ended up drafting one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in the class, Josh Rosen, number 10 overall, a guy that a lot of people compared to Aaron Rodgers, not only because of his natural talent, but also his quirky personality, a guy that everybody assumed the Cardinals would build their franchise around, a guy that everybody assumed, even if he didn't go to Arizona, he was a top-15 franchise-caliber quarterback. And here we are 12 months later, and has the ship already seriously sailed on Josh Rosen? I mean, I think it has, not because of Josh Rosen, not because Josh Rosen isn't a franchise-caliber quarterback, but it looks like it sailed in Arizona. Because honestly, if I were the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray were staring me at in the face at the number one pick overall, and I had a head coach like Cliff Kingsbury, who I knew was the kind of coach that would benefit, his system would benefit over a player like Murray running it versus Rosen, it's kind of a no-brainer. Kyler Murray is the number one pick. Kyler Murray is arguably the most intriguing and exciting quarterback prospect that I've studied since Michael Vick. And that's high, very high praise because I hold Michael Vick to a certain standard that very, very few have been able to meet. Last year, I thought Lamar Jackson had a lot of Michael Vick in him from his, just his pure athletic ability standpoint as a runner, not as a thrower. I did not think Lamar Jackson was a guy who had the natural arm talent that Michael Vick had when he was coming out of Virginia Tech, but I did think that Lamar Jackson had enough rare ability as a runner that he's going to have a really good chance to be a big-time dynamic quarterback in the league, and we saw that last year, how he sparked the Baltimore Ravens and ultimately um, came pretty close to, to making a much deeper run than anybody would have imagined, right? Um He's got to get better as a passer, and I compared him last year this time to a guy like Donovan McNabb, where McNabb started his career buying time with his legs to allow his arm to develop and ultimately catch up with him. And Donovan McNabb evolved into runner first, thrower second, into thrower first, runner second as his career matured. Lamar Jackson, I think we will see that eventually as long as the Ravens are patient enough with him. Kyler Murray's a whole different player. He's a completely different type of quarterback. Kyler Murray has a big league, NFL-ready, high-caliber, top-tier arm. The baseball in his background is obvious when he throws the football. I mean, he throws seeds. There is no throw that he can't make. Uh, He's accurate. He's got A-plus arm strength. And when you consider what he can do with his legs as an elite athlete, maybe that half of a half of a step below where Lamar Jackson came in last year, but still that elite f- high four threes guy who can run past any defensive back in the league to, you know, he, he's, he's a field flipper. And those guys are rare to find a quarterback. When you combine his ability to make plays with his legs and his plus arm talent, you have a player who, I mean, I don't know if there's a quarterback right now in the NFL That compares to him. I know a lot of people want to say it's Russell Wilson, but I don't think Russell Wilson's the kind of scrambler that doesn't have the kind of running ability that Kyler Murray has. And Russell Wilson is a fantastic running quarterback. Russell Wilson is arguably, aside from Lamar Jackson, the best running quarterback in the NFL. And I don't think he comes close to what Kyler Murray can be as a runner. If you guys remember Michael Vick back in his prime, Michael Vick was like a top five running back caliber running quarterback. He was in the mix with some of the best playmakers with the ball in their hand, and he was a quarterback. And I think that's what Kyler Murray is bringing to the table. And believe it or not, I think Kyler Murray might be right there at Michael Vick in terms of upside as an arm talent. Michael Vick didn't really have the opportunity to showcase what he was capable of as a passer early in his career because If you guys remember, his top receiver was Algie Crumpler, an overweight, out-of-shape tight end, and Brian Finneran, a guy who probably should be or should have been a third option in a passing game. That's who the Falcons surrounded him with early in his career. Kyler Murray might face a very similar fate if he goes to Arizona. I mean, who's catching passes from him? I know Larry Fitzgerald's there. Fitzgerald is not the guy he used to be, obviously. They have Christian Kirk from from a couple uh, last year, second-round pick. But they really don't have anything beyond those guys. I mean, David Johnson coming out of the backfield will be a, an asset for him. But Murray's going to be a guy who probably, if he gets selected by the Cardinals, you're going to see a lot of 200-yard passing, 75-plus-yard rushing games from him. Just an absolute dynamic offensive weapon. Who If the Cardinals draft him, I could see him bringing them up to a 500-team right out of the gate. The defense is not terrible. And you add a guy like Kyler Murray in today's NFL, it's going to take defenses a season to adjust to him. And by then, by the time defenses catch up to Kyler Murray, the Cardinals hopefully, with a competent front office and plan in place, will have surrounded him with more weapons that will continue to have him evolve into a player that Defenses really can't stop. It's the old adage. They just have to try to contain him. They won't be able to stop him. And I think that's what Kyler Murray can be. You know, I, th- I think he has that ability. And if you're the Cardinals, you don't pass that up. You just don't pass it. Forget about Nick Boza. Forget about Quinn and Williams. Forget about all these other guys in this class. All of them are elite blue chippers. I get it. But this is a quarterback league. When you pick first overall, it has to be about the quarterback. You're only picking number one overall because you either don't have a quarterback or the quarterback that you have was injured the year before. Look at the 49ers, for example. The 49ers are on deck, right? They're picking second. So you'd argue, well, the 49ers must have a terrible quarterback situation too if my theory about picking number one goes to the quarterback. Well, that's not really true. They have a franchise guy in Jimmy Garoppolo. He just happened to miss all of last year with a blown-out ACL. He'll be back this season. They're going to be almost unjustly enriched at the number two pick because they're not that far away. They already have the quarterback in place. They don't have to chase that guy. They have a guy who they can win a lot of games with. So they'll be okay, and they don't need to reach on a quarterback in this year's draft because they got their guy. Do the Cardinals have their guy? Do we know after one season with Josh Rosen, is he really the guy? In Arizona, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he is with this new coaching staff. So at the number one pick, it has to be about the quarterback. You're either drafting one, you're protecting one with a blue-chip left tackle, or you're sacking one with a blue-chip pass-rushing monster. Those pass-rushers are in this draft, but so is the quarterback. So, Ty goes to the quarterback, you gotta take Kyler Murray. And then, what happens with Josh Rosen there's no chance both of these guys will be on the opening day roster 0.0 there is no chance that they will carry both players on the roster it will be too much of a distraction and Josh Rosen is not the kind of personality that I think you'd want in the locker room or or dealing with the media uh, after Kyler Murray is drafted first overall so where does he go There's been speculation, obviously, about the Giants. There's been speculation about the Raiders. Uh, There's speculation about the Dolphins. All teams that if I'm sitting in 13th overall and I'm the Miami Dolphins, I am offering the number 13 pick tomorrow for Josh Rosen. I don't care. If you're trying to be cute and saying you can get Josh Rosen for a third-round pick, I don't care. Josh Rosen is a first-round potential franchise quarterback in the right situation, and I believe the the coaching staff that Miami has hired, Brian Flores, the New England Patriots, state of mind, that kind of program, Josh Rosen would thrive there. Who's Who are the Dolphins going to get at 13 overall that's better than what Josh Rosen could be for them? I mean, I'll wait. Who are they going to draft? Brian Burns, I get it. Nice-looking pass rusher, but will he do for the Dolphins what Josh Rosen could do? And are you going to continue building a franchise on the philosophy of, we'll get our quarterback next year? That's garbage. That doesn't work. Next year's quarterback class on paper might be decent, but after another season of football with potential injuries, people going back to school, some of these guys aren't even going to come out, you're going to keep setting your franchise back another year and then a year after that, and then maybe, just maybe, you win a few more games than you anticipated. A guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick actually pulls some magic out of his hat or out of his beard, whatever uh, you want to say is the source of his uh, uh, mystique here. Um, Maybe Fitzpatrick wins another game or two or three that knocks the Dolphins out of that top three or four slot. And now they're suddenly out of the mix for a quarterback, and you could have had Josh Rosen for the 13th pick. You make the damn trade. You don't even think twice about it. That's poor football management if you don't pull the trigger on that trade. Teams are only as good as their quarterbacks. Don't be cute. Don't try to under undersell Rosen. Don't try to assume nobody that you're bidding against nobody. Someone at some point is going to make the Cardinals an offer that they're going to take. You have to assume that, and you have to put your best offer on the table. Push all the chips into the middle of the table. And if you think about it, it's great for the Miami Dolphins from a salary cap standpoint if they did a trade like that. They get the 13th pick this year off the books. They got nobody that they're paying a rookie contract as a top 15 salary. They bring in Josh Rosen, who a lot of his big money is already paid out They're going to have a fifth-year option on Josh Rosen, so they would still have that fifth-year option on a player they bring in with the 13th pick. And they have a veteran in place in Ryan Fitzpatrick who can probably start the first month of the season until they get Josh Rosen comfortable or they're comfortable enough with Rosen starting. So, hello, Miami. Make the phone call. Make the move. Giants? I mean, are you really going to draft Dwayne Haskins over Josh Rosen? Maybe. Maybe the grade on Haskins is higher than Rosen, but I don't know. If, I, if it was up to me, if I was in the Giants' front office, Josh Rosen would be my preferred choice over Dwayne Haskins. I think Rosen is a more accurate passer. I think Rosen's arm talent is just naturally more gifted, and I think he's going to take a team a little further than Haskins will be able to in the NFL. Giants 17th overall for Josh Rosen? Hello. Done deal. I mean, I don't know why Dave Gettleman wouldn't do it, but then again, I don't know why Dave Gettleman's done some of the things he's done already at this point. But this is just like, I mean, just think about it, right? This is just the first pick that we're talking about. All these chips that could fall as a result of just the first pick. And it's all because it's a quarterback. When you look at draft history, this is what makes a draft tick. This is what makes drafts go. This is why people watch. This is why the draft has become reality television. It's just so juiced up when you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray and the drama of Kyler Murray versus Josh Rosen. It just juices the whole process up. And I couldn't be more excited to be with you guys to talk about this as it unfolds over the next couple of weeks. I hope that the Cardinals keep this one close to the vest and that they don't reveal who they're going to take. And to be honest with you, I don't think they really can. If they want to maximize the Josh Rosen trade value, it really can't come out that they're going to draft Kyler Murray. You saw Cliff Kingsbury get really—you know—he's he, a rookie coach, but he's not a rookie when it comes to playing the draft game. At least he didn't come across that way in his interview with Steve Weish over at NFL uh, NFL Network when he basically said all options are on the table, and he was—he still spoke highly of Josh Rosen, and—and and, you know. He just he played it right. You really couldn't get a read in terms of what the Cardinals were going to do. He made it seem as if they have not settled on who they're gonna take, that the Scouts and the front office guys, the GM, everybody's on the road going to pro days and whatnot that they haven't even met to talk about the pick yet. I mean, that's the biggest crock that I've heard in a long time, but he's putting out the right face, you know, for the media. This is what he has to do. And this is what they have to do to drive up trade value for Josh Rosen. If NFL teams know that the Cardinals are locked in on Kyler Murray, then they also know that they can't carry both of these guys on the roster next year, which means they know they're going to get Rosen on a discount. Just like all the teams knew that Antonio Brown was not going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, Antonio Brown, as a result, was never going to command a first or second round pick, and the Raiders ended up getting him on an absolute discount because it was, you know, basically the uh, the dollar store at that point. You knew somebody was gone, and whoever offered the best of the worst offers, the best of the bad offers, was going to get him, and that's what happened in Oakland, and that's what will happen in in Arizona if they end up somehow leaking that Murray is the guy. But like I said, draft fans, this is going to be you know, just an exciting adventure here. I want you guys to come back next time. This is kind of our teaser episode, right? This is where you get to know me a little bit. Hopefully you get to know the passion I have for the draft process a little bit. Check out withthefirstpick.com. You'll get to see my analysis over there. We cover the daily news and notes around the NFL draft world. I'm putting up a bunch of team mock drafts right now. Already the Cardinals, the 49ers, the Jets, it's already up on the site. I put together uh, a first-round mock draft after free agency last Monday. All that's on the site for you to check out. And, And again, subscribe to the show eventually. Not yet, right? Don't review the show yet because I haven't earned it. We'll get there. We'll, I'm sure we'll get your five-star reviews when when the time comes. But for right now, just subscribe. Check us out again. We'll be back uh, at least within a week. Maybe even sooner than that. Maybe we'll surprise you with an episode in the next day or two. But again, this is the WithTheFirstPick.com podcast. I am Brian Perez. Head over to Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. Give me a follow. Let's keep the dialogue going. And come on back, guys. We're gonna have another show very soon. All things NFL Draft for me, you, and all the draft fans out there. Again, thanks for tuning in.